This podcast is made possible by supporters like you. Mahalo. And by Atlas Insurance Agency, Hawaii's largest professional agency, helping Hawaii navigate insurance solutions since 1929. More at atlasinsurance.com. Hello, my kako. Welcome to a new episode of What School You Went? Start every conversation with that question. I'm Ron Mizutani, and today we're taking a trip down memory lane, actually down Kalakaua Avenue, <laughs> and sharing memories and stories. Let's try to think rid of PG-13, if you will, uh, of the, the, the famous... There'll be short stories yeah, then. <laughs> the famous Wave Waikiki, an entertainment landmark on Kalakaua for more than 25 incredible years. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome a dear friend of mine, Robert Flash Hansen, to PBS Hawaii. Flash is the uh, Director of Promotions and Marketing at iHeartMedia Honolulu, a radio DJ, podcast host, and... No doubt about it. One of the best marketing directors in all of Hawaii. Oh, wow. Uh, back in the day and still <laughs> today, you. brother. You're, you're a genius at what you did and what you do. He was actually the promotions and marketing director of Hula's and the Wave Waikiki back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Welcome to PBS Hawaii. Thank you, sir. So good to have you here. Don't call me sir. I work for a living. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Hey, before we continue, uh, what school you went? First of all, that is the best name of a show ever. Thank and, you, brother. Uh, I was telling the team off air that I'm like, only in Hawaii could you have a name like that. I think if you took that name anywhere else in the country and said, hey, we're doing this show and this is what it's called, <laughs> you just get blank stares. Right. This is great. I just, I love it. It's so Hawaii. Um, I went to Kalani my freshman year and thank God we moved to uh, Hawaii Kai, HK as I like to call it. And uh, so I ended up graduating from Kaiser. Go Cougars, class so of 90. Okay, class the of poor 90. man's Punahou, as There's everyone <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> Certainly all the people that went to Kaiser. Yeah, all, yeah. The, all the Punahou rejects. No, and all no, the people no with, comment, but I've heard that too. parents too poor <laughs> to get them into Punahou. Uh, I, no comment. No comment. Hey, uh, you know, I, I, sorry. I'm going to do a lot of chuckling today. I know I am. Um, I, I always ask, sing me a verse of your alma mater. I have no idea. I, I could not tell you whatsoever i was i was uh you know skating smoking weed doing you know i i was i was not the guy who was paying attention to what was going okay, on fair enough at school fair enough yet forever a cougar forever, <laughs> forever a, cougar. a cougar absolutely i yeah. went to uh too but i you know my my heart is in hawaii kai with the cougars right yeah. on yeah right on all right let's dive right into this uh the club really this club just changed the face of Waikiki, really. Opened back in 1980 uh, in a building that had previously housed a lot of different nightclubs uh, back in the day, Dragon Lady, the Royal Lay, Fast Eddie's, Lava Lava. This location was at the the beginning of Kalakaua. Then along came the Wave Waikiki. Jack Law said, hey, yeah. this is going to be special. And boy, what a run. Yeah. Your thoughts on um, I mean, the wave was around for so long that it was already iconic and uh, legendary before I started working there. I started working there in, um, I think it was either 96 or 98. Uh, I'm, I might be off mm -hmm. a little bit on my time. I think 98, actually. So it was already this massive, iconic thing. And, and to be honest, I was very nervous <laughs> to, to do what I did there because it was like, you know, don't crash the car, right? right? And and that's really all I had to do with my job there was just take the ball and 
not fumble. Um, so it already had this legendary status. And, um, you know, it was something that, you know, my dad and my dad's friends would talk about. And, you know, you hear, you know, your older older folks around you talking about it in these sort of awe-inspiring terms. And it was like, you know, the first time I walked in, I was already had a lot of good preconceived notions of it's like, you know, peeling back the curtain to Wizard of Oz or something like, oh, my God, I'm, <laughs> I'm literally I can remember the first time I walked through the doors. I was so excited. And it was uh, it was just as magical as as you could hope it could be. And it was just really um, something that could never be replicated or certainly recreated in the era that we in the culture that we live in now, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, probably an entire podcast for another day. Sure. But, um, I mean, it was just it, everything anyone's ever heard about the wave, good and bad, is probably true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some. Yeah. And, and some. Um, you know, that I'd imagine professionally that changed your life. Being, being handed that out, not handed, but you earned that because rep, your reputation certainly earned that opportunity. But... Having that opportunity to be the promotions guy for for an iconic brand like that. Yes, it changed my life, but probably not in the way most people realize. Um, What changed my life was working for Jack Law, the owner of the Wave. Um, He was and is a a mentor to me, um, and he had been from day one. Um, It sounds super cliche and cheesy to say, but... He saw something in me and believed in me in a way that uh, I didn't at the time, right? And uh, to have somebody um, as as legendary a figure as that, mm-hmm. not just in the nightlife business, but in the business world, yeah. like in the real adult world, especially, you know, I'm in my early, you know, 20s at the time, to have someone like that believe in you um, and to really show this is how I operate. This is how I run my business. This is why I run my business that way. So I think it changed my life and it wouldn't have mattered what the the business was that Jack was running, but mm-hmm. it was the fact that I was working for Jack and that Jack was yeah. so hands-on in he, his relationship with He took good care of his employees. He's, he's, he's an amazing human. Yeah. He, he really is. And he was the one, and I, I went on to own several businesses after that, but to this day... Um, he is is the light that I look to for how to treat employees, how to run a business, um, and, and just how to operate and sort of the major tenants that need to be in place before you even open the doors. Mm-hmm. And if you can't meet those tenants, don't even open the doors right. regardless of anything else. You, spoke, you, spoke, you said the word door, and I instantly thought about the, the door, right? <laughs> because back – well, let's put it this way. When, when – when I was in college, the every, uh, the age of drinking was still eighteen. Uh, and but glad there's someone here older than me, <laughs> brother. <laughs> I probably probably closer to your dad's age. But um, but then when it turned twenty one, everybody was dying to get to twenty one, and a lot of that was because they wanted to get to the wave, and the door was strict. I mean, yeah. don't matter who you are, and um, celebrities and all. The, the the guys in the front you don't mess with them, and no. nobody snuck in. No, not well, not that I knew of. No, yeah. um, 
uh, Jack liked to call them our Polynesian nuclear weapons that he, For sure. you know, he never <laughs> had to activate. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are some very, very intimidating boys at, at the door. And, you know, little Howley boy <laughs> walking in to the wave the first time, you know, just the first time I went in there, I was super intimidated and even, you know, um, working there. But, of course, anyone that knows, you know, those types of people, um, the Polynesians are the sweetest, yeah. nicest you know, big old teddy bears on earth. You just don't yeah. want to make them mad. <laughs> <laughs> or, or try to sneak in. Yeah. Take us inside. Because if you've, if, for those who are listening today and, and reminisce, uh, boy, everybody had their spot where they stood or hung out upstairs, downstairs, <laughs> by the bathroom. I mean, you know, as soon as you walk in, it's a different world. Like, unlike any other club. For sure. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because truly everyone did have a spot. And everyone's spot was different, but everyone's spot was the right spot. Correct. Um, and obviously, you know, working there as long as I did, I would talk to people and ask, like, why do you sit here or stand there as opposed to anywhere else? And everyone always had, like, a very thorough, solid, in their mind, logical explanation for why, like, I'm going to stand at, at this specific spot at this bar literally every single right. time I come here. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, what was really unique and fantastic about the wave um in hawaii in general this the culture has always been this way but um jack sort of took that and and put it into a nightclub which is it it does sound cheesy to say out loud but it's everybody was welcome absolutely um and it's easy to say that and a lot of businesses give lip service to that but but at the wave it truly was everybody was welcome um Obviously, you know, Jack is a, is a leader of, you know, the LBGTQ community, what is what it's called now. Back then it was just called, you know, the gay community. He was always sort of a, a pillar uh, of that community and um, leading the charge and, and having equal rights for, for gay people. Um, and so the wave was always very welcoming to that sort of flavor, which was really that culture was driving the New York club scene and and then that carried over to to the rest of sort of club culture mm -hmm. throughout the country and Hawaii w was a little bit lagging behind that but but Jack really what he did with the wave is that culture is what made the wave so fun and so unique where it's like no, really, everyone is welcome. Once you come in here, you have a very safe space to be yourself, Absolutely. do whatever yeah. You know, we, we would say that there's there's pimps and hookers and drug dealers next to celebrities and, you know, average Joes. And you'd have a guy in, you know, bus up slippers and, and board shorts and a tank top next to somebody in a suit or a tuxedo. And it's it was just all walks of life. Um, and people that out and Jack was very proud of this. People that out on the street may have not gotten along. It's almost like, you know, everybody puts aside their prejudice prejudices at the door mm -hmm. um and they know that w when they walk in here w everyone's going to be cool with with each other and you know when we walk outside we might have a problem but in this space it was and everyone was really respectful of the wave and with jack and knowing that that's what he was doing and sort of honoring that mm -hmm. and so it just really made for an interesting sort of cross-pollination of, of people and relationships that would never otherwise happen um here in Hawaii and you know you got to know people on a human level and you know once you know a, a person on a one-to-one -one human level you can sort of put whether it's the politics or what you do for a living or any of that sort of can 
can go by the wayside and you can focus on what's more important, which is who is this person as a human being. Yeah, you walk in there, you could be, you know, like you said, a businessman. I, I Let's put it this way. I was a regular there, but usually at the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the night or maybe the early mornings because uh, that was one of the final stops uh, for sure. But once you got in there, it, it don't matter who you did, what you did for a living, what you were wearing, yeah. uh, what you looked like. It was just, you know, folks having a really nice time. And, and you're right. I, I, you know, I've been to clubs where you guarantee you're going to see a fight. You know, back in the day, where there'd be oceans, right. or Studebakers, whatever. Right. At the wave, <laughs> those there those were types all, of places still exist. They too. still exist. Yeah. yeah, and nothing wrong with that vibe if that's what you want. But at the wave, people were just well behaved. I mean, cr- crazy wild. Right. All, all kinds of stuff that I saw in that in that club, uh, but nobody nobody was, you know, crossing the line or. or yeah. yeah, it was in the best way the Wild West as mm-hmm. far as is the motley crew of people that would come in on a nightly basis the mm-hmm. you know very wide demographic of of humans in particular with what they did for a living right. um and and who they were um it, it's i i couldn't understand it you know i mean we, we had governors and mayors would come in and again like massive celebrities would come in and and they didn't mind to sort of you know, wallow in the depths of humanity. Um, but every everybody sort of gave everybody a really wide berth, and, and there was a lot of leeway, and as long as you were just there to have fun and be respectful, uh-huh. it was cool. And, you know, a lot of times bouncers wouldn't even have to really do anything because the, the crowd would, we'll to, to some degree, just yep. police themselves because nobody wanted... Everyone recognized how special it was, and mm-hmm. nobody wanted to, like, ruin the good thing, Right. right? I, um, I, I, I still remember live music, uh, Sonia Mendez. I mean, those, all of yeah. those humongous names uh, that have come through the doors at the Wave. And huge, huge name celebrities. Who, who's the biggest names that you remember dealing with, uh, good and bad? Um, I, I'm trying to think of... The biggest names that came in were before I got there. Okay. Like Elton John was probably you know the biggest name and elton john and jack were friends they still are friends so anytime elton was in town cool um he would come in of course i hear about this and then i'm like cool i'm like how come elton you know (laughs) hasn't come to hawaii in the time that i worked there um he's he's probably the biggest um in my time there it was interesting you you would see celebrities and obviously this is like pre-cell phone era right doing questionable things Uh And going, like, I, I just remember looking at one comedian that I just won't name his yeah, name, yeah. but I literally heard him talking to his wife. On, this was at the upstairs bar, so you uh, could be quiet. Little, little he quiet. was at the very end of <laughs> Ivan's bar. He was on the with phone <laughs> with his wife saying, no, baby, I'm just going to go home. Like, you know, the show's over. It went great. I'm just going to go home and, uh, or he was shooting a movie or something, whatever. I'm just going to go home. You know, it's just, just going to call in an early night. Puts his phone down and then turns to the girl that he was hitting on. <laughs> All night long, and I'm just like, that is just so the wave. That's like yeah. just the kind of crazy stuff yeah. that, that you would see there. But most of the time when celebrities were at the wave, they just really wanted to blend in. They blended right A in. A lot of them would definitely make for the upstairs bar because mm-hmm. there's less traffic there and you're, you're less likely to be noticed. And you could sit definitely at the end of the bar upstairs and yep. be in a corner then just sort of observe everything without anybody noticing. Yeah, you. just look downstairs and the, and the window scene, and you could still see people. It's amazing how quiet it was up there, considering yeah. downstairs you could barely hear yourself talk. Yes. Well, uh, it was quiet down there until I took over because I 
one of the first things I did was I installed the DJ booth upstairs. I'm yeah. like, the Wave had never played hip hop before. And I'm like, so we're going to make the upstairs like the hip hop lounge. And so very quickly after I started, it was never quiet up there. Was again, quite... Sorry to say. <laughs> so you're the guy. You know, back then, they, I mean, back then uh, when, well, when I was on the club scene, uh, we had the Wave, we had Masquerades, we had Sillies, yeah. Pink Cadillac. Yeah, that's uh, all, all basically on the same yeah. kitty corner across from each other at the, sa- across the same And people would bounce around knowing, yeah. though, wherever you go, where, when you get to the wave, it's, you know, it, does, it don't matter what music right. you like. Or it's, you know, you're all, e como mai, all was, all was welcome. I won't say his name. Uh, he's since left this world. Um, uh, a, a well-established journalist, I'll just say his name, I cannot share, but he would be there almost every night. And we would see him go, and me and my friends would be like, wow. And he's just chilling. He's not in there for any reason, but I never saw him dance. Uh, I know you guys want to know who this is, but I'm, I'm going to respect his privacy. But it, it, was one, it was that kind of a vibe in yeah. there. Nobody, nobody cared yeah. who you were, what you did for a living. Uh, just, just pretty wild, though. Yeah. <laughs> pretty wild. It was um, very wild. <laughs> you know, when, when you look at uh, what that place meant to Waikiki, and um, especially live music venue, uh, which we seldom see today. There are still clubs that do that, but Sonia Mendez, the Revolution, they were like, they were like major headliners for many yeah. years. They played five nights a week. Five nights a at week at the Wave. Again, this was before my time, but right. they, they, I heard it from everybody. It wasn't too long past my time, but they were playing five nights a week for several years, and. Jack used to lament about how much harder it had become by the time I had taken over. Like, you really had to work every night to do something different and Mm -hmm. creative to get people to come in. And he's like, you know, back in the 80s, it's like all I had to do was find the right band. If I found the right band, I book them five nights a week, and then I know those five nights are going to be packed. Yep. And he's like, and that's all I had to do. And he would go all over the country and look for bands and, you know, put bands together and all because he knew how important that was. Mm -hmm. But he's like, that's all I had to do. And it obviously, you know, nightlife had changed significantly by the late 90s. And I was like, man, I I was so jealous. I'm like, that would be so great just to find one great band. And then you just like set it and forget it. Yeah, that's that's well said because that's what it was. It felt like at least. And then you know, I, I swear I remember uh, ladies of the '80s stopping by one one year. Did they not? Uh, that was before my time. Yes. Oh but, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Lisa Lisa Nicole Jam yep. and yeah. I mean, a lot of artists would swing by after a concert or a show because of course everyone's going to tell them whatever wherever you're going tonight, be sure that you end up at the Wave as your last stop. So yes, that was very common. And and the local band scene too. He he really embraced that and giving opportunities to have yes. a big stage. Yes, I mean so- Sonia, you know, was local. Yeah. Hat makes the man. You yes, know, local. Hat makes the man. Uh, Frank Oral, Poi Dog Pondering, the the original. Um, Buddhist priest played there as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dara, Dara and the boys. Yes. Yeah. Dan's guitars. Dan's they're guitars. All, they're all Greg still Lowe. around. Yeah. All, all these guys are still yeah. around. They all, you know, I, I still keep in touch with some of them. Yeah. Um, they're all still, you know, close to Jack. Sonia and Jack are very close yeah. and. Uh, it's it's really great to see that I mean it really was like a big family man it was a lot of Buddhist priests I forgot about them Buddhist they were priests. they were some of my favorites hey those guys are legends in their own mind yes <laughs> some of them still are <laughs> uh, one of them listens to this program so I won't say his name Greg Lau um, but no yeah good good times good memories there and they would pack the house too man yeah they would no pack they the house. they were fantastic yeah they shredded Dan Dan can still play it you know when when we all found out that. It was coming to an end. It was like almost surreal. 
like this can't be happening, you know. Um, and for whatever reason, this developer decided he's going to buy this property and turn it into a, a condominium. And today, when I drive by it, honestly, Flash, every time I drive by it, I may flash a different signal to it. If you know what I mean, because it was such an iconic space, and now it's this ugh, this ugly condominium. And whatever, people live there. I get it. That's their home, <laughs> but it almost felt like it wasn't real. That the wave is closing. Yeah, take us back that time. Well, I was privy to information that the general public wasn't for several years. Sure. I mean, years that we knew this was going to be happening. Um, you know, and, and when you looked at the the two empty lots that were used as parking lots for overflow, nowadays I think people would be a lot more savvy about right. realizing what that meant. Something, but something's coming. Something's coming. Yeah. Um, and as as the leases to all the property around us came up, it just on purpose wasn't renewed, and uh, you know, the company that owned the property was just sitting on it. So, so. Jack knew probably five years in advance. I, I knew at least three plus years in advance. Um, and we knew that when our, that, you know, when our lease was up, that it was not going to get renewed and it was gonna be just yet another luxury condo in you know, exactly what Hawaii needs, another luxury right. condo. And to this day, that, that condo is only about 30% occupied. It's a huge dud. Um, it's a gorgeous place. I've actually been in there. Um, but you know, it's like, just like the waterfront across the street, it's like nobody really lives there. Mm -hmm. So what was the point? Right. Um, and then you displace, not just us, there was other local businesses that got displaced yeah. and it's just, you know, it's the story of our times really. Um, and it's, it's sad to see and it's, it, but we, knowing that we had the runway that we had, we looked very actively for a solid three years for a new space. And, you know, it's Jack always said, you need three things. You need the location, you mm -hmm. know, you need the parking and, you know, you need a good deal. Mm -hmm. And everywhere we looked would have two out of the three, but not three out of the three. Mm -hmm. And um, we both really, really wanted to make a new location work. And as crazy as that sounds, we knew it was viable because that's what he did with Hula's. I mean, mm -hmm. no one had ever taken a place that had been you know, in one location, which was, you know, um, in Waikiki across from, at the time, the old Varsity Theaters. Correct. And it was there for, you know, 25 years and then made the move to the Waikiki Grand on the other side of Waikiki, which everyone thought was going to be a disaster. And, of course, Jack made it work. And now, you know, the new Hulas has been there for over 10 years. Or I guess it's not the new Hulas anymore, but that's what we all call it, right. the new Hulas. So we knew that, we already knew that it was possible to take something that was, I mean, Hula's was very similar to the wave in a lot of ways. So we knew we'd already done it once. We were hoping and thought we could do it again. But at that time, you know, you're, you're looking at mid to late 90s. The real estate market in Hawaii was completely changing yeah. um, for the worse. And he could just never find a space to make it work. And, you know, he said, we're not going to open another wave just for the sake of opening another wave. It's like if it, if it doesn't pencil out. Um, then, you know, it just doesn't make sense to do it. So so August 1st, I just had to do some research on it. 2006, 4.30 in the morning, the wave closed yeah. the stores. I mean, it was a huge day. I remember the media covering it, too. Um, 
but it was it was a sad day too because you know we're talking generations who have 25 years of success in a really tough environment to be in i mean some so many nightclubs came and went yeah. in that time especially in waikiki yeah it was it was very sad it, it was for me i sort of saw it as it was Definitely the writing had already been on the wall of sort of nightclubs as we had known them growing up was going away. Um, the night, nightlife culture was changing. Um, but the, it was very sad that the wave was going to close, no doubt. The saddest thing for me was you had employees like, you know, Ivan, the bartender who'd been there essentially since opening, you know, Mac, that our head security guard that had essentially been there since opening. I mean, there was literally like six people that had been working there for over 20 years oh, and some of them since day one. So it's like, oh my God, what are these people going to do? Where are they going to go? You know, and when you get a little longer in the tooth in the nightlife business, no one wants to hire like the 50 year old bartender to come work at, at a club full of 20 somethings. Right. So it was sad that the wave was closing, but it was more sad for all the people that were going to lose their jobs. Yeah. Sure. As it always is when a yeah. business closes. Yeah, absolutely. My my, my apologies. Yeah, yeah, those who were, you know, in it from the get go and and spent time there as employees. That, that's a tremendous yeah. blow. Uh, the the people who made memories in that building, you know, that that's something that we'll always have. Um, well, and that's the thing, yeah. and that's what the the customer misses is they miss the wave, yes, but they miss going in and saying you know, sitting in their favorite server's yeah. section or at their favorite bartender's bar or seeing their favorite band. You miss the, the ohana <laughs> yeah. a, a, of it all. And it really, truly was. I mean, there were so many misfits that had moved to Hawaii that were far away from home, far away from family that, that adopted the wave and everybody at the wave, for better or worse, as their sort of extended ohana. And a lot of those customers I also felt really bad for because it's like, you know, who are their friends going to be now? You know, where yeah. are they going to? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Are you know, who go? are they? And are they going to go somewhere that's going to treat them, you know, like family? Because it, it was just yeah, it, that's that's huge what you just said there because a lot of folks were displaced. Yeah, when it comes to club scene and, that's a, and nightclub scene, that's a great scene. word for it. Yeah, um, displaced. Yeah, speaking of place, I'm going to wrap this up shortly. But I'm, I remember one time. This is this is like when I was still a young twenty year old. Uh, there was a fight inside. And so they literally took the two guys outside and they said, take this outside. So they, there's a whole bunch of them walked outside to the parking lot in the back. Dude, there was a fight that lasted probably about 25 minutes. Jeez. And you know when it comes to fist fights, three, yeah. three four yeah, punches yeah, yeah. and it's done. These two guys were like boxers. And so they had camps on each side. I went outside and beat the LA. And they would fight for like <laughs> 20, 30 seconds they both would agree to stop, take a break, like go back to their corners. Wow, yeah, they, were and like then they were like pros. They were like pros, and then they went back and let, yes. ready, yep, boom, and it was like amazing. Yes. And finally, one guy said, "Done," you know, and it was kind of like like a like a heavyweight boxing fight. It was so funny, and it, it was all you know, but it was all well behaved, if that makes sense. Yeah, there was a there was really. Almost never fights inside. Everyone is really good about going outside to right. fight, but there was definitely a lot of fights outside. And yeah. they, some were very entertaining. Some were pretty, some not so entertaining. Some were pretty scary. Yeah, I have a few uh, officer friends who used to get the call, and yes. they would just but, hang out in their ice cream trucks outside waiting for something to go wrong, but seldom things went wrong. Everything was, was very right. Hey, Flash, thanks for sharing those memories with us. Um, I'm going to ask you to come back. Let's, let's talk hulas, if you don't mind, uh, sure. in the future. And, yeah. and because that, too, is a success story, not just of Jack, but just doing business in Waikiki and being smart 
um, and, and knowing your audience, if you will, knowing your community, and yeah. really knowing what people need. Yeah, uh, so. and it, it, as long as the wave was around, open, as you said, 1980, you know, Hula's... Coming up on 50 years. Yeah, opened in 74. So, I mean, it's crazy that Hula's had already been established for six years before the wave even opened. Yeah. Um, and it's still going strong. Still going I, strong. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, I keep in touch with those guys over there. And, uh, I mean, it's very impressive what, what they're doing. We'll, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that. I, I just wanted to point out one more thing, because I still remember that, that painting on the wall... Um, that the actually, mural on the outside? The mural, the, the, the mural on the inside. Was it on the inside too? Or the outside with the swimmer? Yeah. But the, the outdoor circle got involved in that one. Yeah, so that was all before I got there. They, there was the iconic wave mural on the side of the building that the palm trees very subtly said wave, which I yes. thought was very clever marketing. <laughs> um, in fact, it had to be pointed. Like it was so subtle. Right. I, I would been working there for a minute before... And I never noticed that it said the wave until it was, like, explained to me. Um, and, um, yeah, he was always battling the outdoor circle with, with the murals out front. But uh -huh. really, in the long run, what it did was it just gave him the more free press, right, <laughs> that, that just put the community in a general sense on his side. Uh -huh. And now it's funny because there's murals everywhere, everywhere. right? Thanks to right. Pow Wow. Right. You should have Jasper and Kamea on if, should, if you haven't yeah. already. Those guys are fantastic. Actually, Kamea's art is right outside oh, here. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are amazing, and, yeah. and Pow Wow is amazing. But it's funny because Pow Wow made it okay to have murals on the side of a building. You know, now that would be common. But when Jack did it, there's nothing like right. that before. And, yeah, the outdoor circle was... Um, I saw old like video footage of, of and it's just it's so silly when you look back now to think this is like what people were getting fired up about, like. But in in the long run, I think from a marketing standpoint, I think it was it, brilliant. Like, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. All right, Flash. Hey, continued success to you. Uh, we'll catch up very soon, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us. Mahalo nui. Join us next week. Another episode of What's Going You At? <laughs> Only in Hawaii, right? <laughs> Until next time. Ahui ho. What's Screw You With is a PBS Hawaii production. Music by Taimane Gardner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell your friends. You can find us on pbshawaii.org and everywhere you get your podcasts.